1 Corinthians 12 in verse 1 is our text, is our main text from this. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Is our, is our, the main text from our series called The Nine. We are continuing our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit tonight. So let's go back in 1 Corinthians 12 and read our text here. Verse 1 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wisdom or wise advice, the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge, a word of knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith. To another and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern a message if a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said, the interpretation of tongues. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We love you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Take over tonight. Help me as I present your word. Help those hearing to apply your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we are continuing our series, The Nine. In week one I talked about Who is the Holy Spirit? I talked about who he is, uh, his attributes, him as a person, he is God and whatnot. And then I went on to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I know uh, quite a few people came up to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So we talked about that in week one. And then week two, last week, Pastor Kelly talked about he broke down the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and the gift of faith. And so I want to encourage you, all of these messages are um, on our website or uh, our podcast on iTunes. If you've missed any one of those first two or if you, you know, uh, going forth with this mess, uh, this series, if you happen to, if you can't make next week, they'll be online so you can catch up with all of them. So tonight we're going to look at the gift of healing, the gift of miracles and prophecy. That's in verse 10. It's well, it's starting verse nine to someone else. The spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and the other the ability to prophesy. So we're going to just dive right into it. We're going to break them down. We're going to break down these three. So we're going to start out with healing. In Isaiah 53 verses four and five, a lot of us are familiar with this scripture. It says this, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we can behold. He was whipped or he was by his stripes. We are healed. He was whipped so we can be healed. Who is this speaking of? Jesus. Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied a thousand years ago that Jesus would provide healing on the cross of Calvary. And then we see in the New Testament, Acts 10, 38, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, 
for God was with him. The gift of healing is the ability to heal human sickness or injury or to give insight. Listen to this. It's not only ability to heal, but to give insight on the cause of sickness and to even give advice on treatment as well as we know of praying for the sick. That's so the, the, the gift of healing encompasses all that. If you've been familiar, been around people praying uh, for people to be healed, sometimes, you know, more, more important than you getting healed on the spot is you knowing the cause of why you may be sick. We know that from, from bitterness, it, it's scientifically proven that people that have been bitter and have been held unforgiveness, literally, if they hold on to that too long, it, it can begin to manifest in their physical body and they can become physically ill. So uh, 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 in the gift of healing, someone that might flow in the gift of healing, they not only can lay hands on the sick and, and they recover, they can have that that insight on, on why they maybe are sick or even the, you know, maybe the, the, the steps to take to get healed. Also, this gift exists to enable the believer to cast out uh, demons of infirmity. The Bible talks about as one of the 14 root spirits, a spirit of infirmity. We see it in Luke 13, 11 through 13. It says, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So you not only in the, in the gift of healing, the ability to do it, you have that, which we all know the Bible says, Jesus said that, that, that we all have authority over all the powers of the enemy. Amen. So a spirit of infirmity, it's one thing, sometimes we get sick, listen, you know, this time of year, it's flu season. Sometimes you get the flu. That doesn't mean it's the spirit of infirmity, right? Okay. Sometimes you don't need to cast anything out. You just need to pray and maybe take a little Tamiflu and move on with your life. Amen. But there's other times where there are spirits of infirmity, like this woman that people, some people are bound up with a certain sickness or, you know, we talk about things being hereditary, certain genes and stuff. Part of that, I believe, in some cases, is a spirit of infirmity that has got a hold of someone's life. And with the gift of healing, that gift flowing uh, can deliver people from that. The Lord delivers people through uh, those with the gift of healing. The purposes of healing are many. The first thing, it authenticates the gospel message. In Mark 16 and 15 and 17, we see it says this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news. This was Jesus speaking. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Jesus begins to list them. But then in verse 18, he ends with this. He says, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. You see that? Those that, that have been saved, those that are preaching the gospel, it says that they will be able to lay hands on the sick and be healed. The purpose of healing is to comfort and bring health to show God's mercy. It equips service uh, and, and knocks down walls to ministry. Uh, so so the, the, it, it removes walls or, or impediments that, that cause you to continue to operate in the ministry uh, that God has called you to. How many of y'all know you don't feel too spiritual when you're sick? Amen? Right? It brings glory to God, obviously. It shows God's love for mankind. It demonstrates the power and sovereignty of God. 
That's part of why the Lord has given us the gift of healing. I just feel like I need to stop right here. As we talk about these gifts, and it for me, as I begin to study this, I begin to get more clarity as well. I had kind of, as we're talking about the gifts in a whole, not just the gift of healing, the gifts in a whole, as we talk about somebody that has a certain gift. Let me, let me say this, and I think I have it in my notes later. I just feel like I need to say it now. That, you know, certain people do operate on a consistent basis in operating or having the gift of healing, for example. Let me just say that, in the gift of healing. But some people, like for example, and I'm going to talk about prophecy in a little bit. You know, some people would say, man, he's a prophet. He really has the gift of prophecy. And that's true. I, I know I don't consider myself a prophet, but I can operate in the gift of prophecy when the Holy Spirit wills. Does that make sense? So the gift of healing is the same thing. We know, and I've been to conferences and we've seen people uh, even come through that, that, that they have a strong healing anointing on their life. So don't, don't, don't think, as I'm talking about this, that, well, I, don't, I took the spiritual gift test and I don't think that I can lay hands on somebody uh, and heal them or the Lord can heal them through, them, through me. Don't think that way. We're going to see in a minute how the Holy Spirit is the one that owns the gift. He distributes the gift as he pleases and as he wills. Amen? So I'm saying that, I guess, right now, so some of y'all don't check out on me, all right? There were in the Bible and still are many methods used in healing. Jesus laid his hands on people, and everyone he lays his hands on was healed. This was with Jesus's, this is Jesus' primary uh, uh, method of healing people. But also, he had some other methods of healing people as well. Like in John 9, he spit in the dirt and he made mud and he put it on a blind man's eyes. And then he told him, hey, go wash out and you'll be healed. And the guy went washing. He didn't pray or anything. He just spit on the, on the mud, on the dirt, made mud, told him to go wash and he'd be healed. And the guy was healed. And then in Mark 7, this is a very interesting one. There was a man that was deaf and mute. So Jesus walks up to him in Mark 7. He puts his hand, his fingers in his ear. And then he also spits on his, on his finger and touches the man's tongue and prays that he'd be healed. And the man was healed. Now, how many of y'all, if you came up to the altar after service and I said, you know what, brother? I feel like the Lord's leading me. I'm going to spit on my hand and I'm going to slap your tongue. And so you can be healed from that, that speech impediment or whatever it is. You would probably run out of here, right? There's, there, Jesus did that. It's, I'm telling you, Mark chapter 7, go check it out. Not, uh, John not and, and Mark said, Jesus did do this. We hear things of great men of God. I mean, uh, really, things that uh, over the years that, that men of God have done, like Smith Wigglesworth, uh, he was having a revival. He was having times of ministry, and somebody brought a, a, a sick, or it might have even been a dead baby to him. I think this baby might have had died or was sick. And, and it's documented that this man of God literally took this baby and kicked it across the stage. And when they caught the baby, the baby was healed. Like some crazy stuff that God told him to do that. I, I don't think, inlet, I would have to hear an audible voice from God to do that. You know, something like, but those are, God did use those kind of things. There was recorded Smith Wigglesworth and we're going to get into miracles, but do stuff like that all the time. Take dead people out of the coffin and threw this man up against the wall like five times at a funeral. Eventually the man was raised from the dead. So there's crazy methods that we see Jesus used and other people use. Um, but we're going to talk about some more streamlined ones. You know, laying on of the hands, obviously, like I said, he did use other methods. You will notice in, in reading the Gospels, though, that most people didn't ask Jesus, hey, can you pray for me or can you lay hands on me? All they asked is, hey, I want to be healed. So to them, it was like, Jesus, however you want to do it, have free range. I want to be healed. 
And in Jesus, as he was led by the Spirit. Remember, I feel like I need to reiterate this throughout this series. I hit on it, Pastor Kelly hit on it again last week. Remember, Jesus didn't heal because he was the Son of God, because he had the ability as God. Jesus emptied himself, the Bible says, of any God priority, of, of prerogatives, of all his abilities of God. He emptied that when he came to earth. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him without measure. So everything that Jesus did, every healing recorded, was by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was through the gift of healing. Amen? I want to reiterate that. Jesus was showing us how to live the maximized Christian life. Amen? Another method in healing is the anointing of oil. You see us do that up here. We anoint with oil when someone is sick. The oil itself is not powerful. You can go buy that oil for like five bucks at the Christian bookstore. But it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And we do this because they did it in the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us to. First, in Mark 6, 13, it says, They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. It was symbolic of the Holy Spirit working. And then in James is where we get it. Many of y'all have heard us have said this when we prayed for you or someone maybe. Excuse me. James chapter 5, 14 and 15 says this. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with all in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So the Bible commands us to anoint with all and lay hands on those that are sick. A few more things about healing. The Lord may indeed, like I was talking about earlier, use a particular person consistently in the area uh, of healing like any other gift, and others it might be once in a while. So, so like I said, you might operate in a gift of healing, you know, on a regular basis, and others might just, it, it, it might, you know, be once in a while you pray for somebody. I know my own experience with this. You know, the Holy Spirit, this is what I was getting at. The Holy Spirit is the one who owns and distributes it individually, moment by moment, as he wills. We saw that looking in 1 Corinthians twelve eleven again. It says, it is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. This also should help us to understand, and I know it's hard. This verse helps us to understand sometimes, or should help us understand, why is it that sometimes we lay hands on people and they get healed, and other times they don't? The Bible makes it clear. We know it's his will to be healed, but the Bible makes it clear there's reasons why that are unknown. It says he gives the gifts and he distributes them as he will. You know, I know personally from being in ministry for, you know, almost nine years now, there's been times where I've prayed for people and seen a healing, heard reports the next day. And then there's been other times where it happened. Just personally, I can tell you two stories. It was really cool speaking of just a personal testimony of healing and how the Lord does heal. Uh, when my son Joe was about four or five years old, um, he had a really bad fever. He had been running fever for about two days and he had his fever started going up. I forgot the exact degrees, but it was, you know, in the 103 range. It was really bad for a while. He was hurting. He was crying. He was burning up. And me and Cassie had been praying. We had been laying hands on him and praying and just believing, doing what the scripture says. You know, it, it got to a point where I I had went to bed and he got up crying. Cassie had called the nurse and, and whatnot. And just, you know, the nurses hotline to find out what was going on. Well, eventually uh, they ended up, you know, going back to bed. And the next morning, Joe woke up and his fever was totally gone. It was broken. This one was really cool. He's four, four or five years old. He told Cassie, he said, Mom, I had a dream last night that Jesus came and laid his hands on me and told me that I was healed. And when he got up, the manifestation of there was no more fever, it was gone. Amen? 
Amen. It's not, so, so those are times it's like, man, praise the Lord, you know, and there's other times where not. I, right now, if y'all wouldn't mind praying for, for Bella. Today, she had 103 fever. Last week, she had fever. They, they all my, all the females in my house had the flu and, and then, uh, they all got better. And then just, uh, it was the beginning of this week or end of last week. I don't remember. Bella started running fever again. We laid hands on her, prayed. She was feeling better the next day. All good to go. Well, this week, she started running fever again, you know, and, Again, we just continue to do what the scripture says today, anointed her with hall, laid hands on her a couple times, kneeled down by her bed, prayed for her. I'm going to continue to believe for that healing. Amen. And one more thing, you know, the gift of healing doesn't have to be operated by another person praying for you. You know, you can have the gift of healing flowing in your life for yourself. There have been countless people that have been healed in their own prayer closets. Amen. The Holy Spirit can activate that gifting in you for you whenever he will. So I want to encourage you that you don't have to wait. The Bible does say to call for the elders of the church, but you can pray and you can press in and you can believe for that gift as well to operate in yourself, to, to, to heal yourself. I mean, we know it's the Lord that heals, but you know what I'm saying? Amen. Are y'all tracking with me? Okay. So that is the gift of healing. That is the healing. Now we're going to move into miracles. So as we move into miracles, I want to start out by, by, by distinguishing the difference between healings and miracles because sometimes um, we get these intertwined. Essentially, a healing relieves the body of disease, sickness, or injury. It may be gradual, and it doesn't necessarily happen instantaneously or in, even in a very short period of time. On the other hand, a miracle is usually instantaneous, and it produces a change that goes beyond healing. Like it's, it's, you know, just right there. I can remember the first time this was broken down to me because I, I used to kind of get confused with it. Um, one, we were at a, we were at a youth conference one year and there was a guy there that was known to flow heavily in the gift of healing. And he, he started praying for people at night. And there was a girl that had been in a wheelchair for years, years and years. I don't remember how many years, but she was like a teenage girl. He prayed for her that night. And that night when he prayed for her, she got up out of the wheelchair and she took a couple of steps and everybody went crazy and we was all excited. But then she sat back down in her chair and it was very slow. And I remember thinking like, you know, she's, she's not totally healed, you know, but it, it, you know, it's kind of trying to figure out, wait, is this God or is it what's going on? And she sat down. It was so cool. The pastor got back in the microphone. And he said, let me, let me explain something to y'all right now. He said, there's a difference between healing and a miracle. He said, tonight she's beginning to experience her healing. Her healing has begun. So a healing is something God. Now we've seen and heard now, if she would have broke out running around that sanctuary doing laps, that would have been a miracle, amen? But her healing had begun that night. Now, in saying all of that, sometimes, um, you know, uh, uh, miracles and healings, they can overlap. Uh, an instantaneous healing that is visual can be described as a miracle. Uh, we've all heard the, the phrase, he was miraculously healed, right? So they can overlap, you know, and like the two references I just gave uh, of the two men that were healed, one of a blind and one blind and, and, and mute. Those were miracles, but the Bible records them as being healing or just like the man uh, at, at the pool of Bethsaida that had got healed his legs. Peter and John healed them and they, they recorded said that, that this healing came so they can overlap as well. But those are the basic differences, that a healing mostly is gradual. A miracle usually happens instantaneously. In First Corinthians 12, 10, both in King James and the Amplified Version, it says, it says the working of miracles. Not the gift of miracles, but the working of miracles 
and it's plural. And in the Greek, there's two Greek phrases, and, and I tried to pronounce them, and I probably just bushed them, so I'll just tell you. There's two Greek phrases for those words, and what it means, the meaning's more important than how you pronounce it, is extraordinary manifestations. Extraordinary, that's what it says whenever he says the gift of miracles, it's extraordinary manifestations. Miracles are associated with power, and this power exceeds what man can do. Amen? Come on, this is the part now where I start getting, getting fired up about it. This is where we start, you start seeing how God is just above anything that we can, we, as he says, he can do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or even think. That's where miracles come into play. Amen? The power of God enables a human being to release the miracle work and power of God. It is the ability given by God to contradict the laws of the natural world. You've ever heard somebody have a miracle, like for example, somebody has cancer or, or whatnot. I was reading a testimony today about a guy that the inside of his ear had been re- surgically removed and he was believing God to restore his ear. He went back to a different doctor and told him that the guy looked in, the doctor looked in his ear and he said, your ear is perfectly normal. That defies natural logic. God supernaturally put the inside of that dude's ear back in. That's a miracle. The workings of miracles are an invasion against the kingdom of Satan and a sign of the breaking of God's kingdom into this present world. Amen? The first and greatest miracle, and I've said this for years, that the greatest and the first miracle is salvation. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek So the first miracle that we, all of us usually experience is being born again. And I believe it's the greatest miracle. Because you know what? You can have your ear put back in, but if you're still lost in a sinner, you'll go to hell with a fixed ear. Amen? And Jesus talks about that. He says, hey, some, your sin caused you to, uh, you know, your eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. Your hand caused you to, 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 um, to sin, cut it off. It's better to go into hell, uh, to heaven with one eye than hell with two eyes, right? So in other words, it's good. We need physical healing and and belief for miracles. But the greatest miracle, and I want to say that right now for you tonight, if you haven't been born again, that's the greatest miracle is Romans 1.16. Because you know what? The, 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 The gospel, the gospel message is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. And that word, we see that word power all through. Pastor Kelly hit on it last week. That word power is miracle power and it's deutimus. The word we get dynamite from. He hit on that last week. A lot of us have heard that word. Miracle power. That's what that word means. It's miraculous power. It's miraculous how we can be one person and get born again and be a totally different person in our minds, our hearts, and how we act. Miracles represent a whole other arena of opportunity for the eternal world to invade this world. A miracle is, I love this, a miracle is a dimensional interruption where heaven interrupts earth, invades earth. Basically, in layman's term, a miracle messes everybody up. Amen? When a miracle happens, people are messed up. Doctors are scratching their head. They're like, this can't be so. I don't understand it. I love to hear when doctors say, I don't, we don't understand it. Amen. You can't understand it because it's a miracle. Amen. A miracle is an event or an action that contradicts scientific laws and goes beyond them by the mighty act of God. 
I mean, come on, y'all should be excited about miracles. Be excited. We need to get excited about heaven invading earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? We all pray that on earth as it is in heaven. We want heaven to invade earth. And when miracles manifest on the earth through the gift of when people pray and believe for miracles and miracles manifest themselves, heaven begins to invade earth. Come on, somebody. This is something to get excited about. You know, people say, oh, well, you, you can't prove that God is real. When a miracle happens, that's some very good evidence right there. When people can't explain it, amen, when they can't explain how, how that happens, a miracle, I'm telling you, a miracle, I, I, I don't think she would mind me sharing this. It was all over the news. Melanie that works on staff here got into a car accident a couple weeks ago. Did y'all see uh, that, that, that car that hit that bus head on? She's on staff. She works in our office uh, upstairs. She gets hit head on by a school bus going 55 miles an hour. She was going 40, and she went home that night. That's a miracle, I believe. That is a miracle. Yeah, amen. Come on. Somebody give God glory for that. They did CT scans, x-rays, everything. No, no broken bones, no internal bleeding, no anything. She's, she got bumps and bruises. She's sore and whatnot. But that's a miracle. That's a 95-mile-an-hour impact with a school bus head on. And she went home the same night. It actually happened a couple of Wednesdays ago. Pastor Rob came up to me after the service and said, hey, did you hear about Melanie? Head, bus, hit the bus head on. I'm, first thing I'm thinking is what hospital is she in? Before I can even say that, he said, man, she's at home. I told her, I said, Melanie, if you ever meet somebody that says that they don't believe in miracles, just say, look at me. That's a miracle. You can see God's hand upon her, right? Miracles are displayed in signs and wonders. Once again, Jesus said signs and wonders would follow those that believe. Let's look at some accounts of some miracles in Scripture. The Lord used Paul to inflict a magician named Elymas with a blindness in Acts 13. In Acts 6, darkness was raised from the dead. In Joshua 10, God allowed the sun to stand still for Joshua to continue the battle, and he also, so he could win it. In 1 Kings 17, we see Elijah, uh, through his prayers, rain was withheld for three years, and then he prayed again and rain came. And then we see Elijah taken up in heaven with a chariot of fire. And then there's, all, I mean, there's many, many miracles. I'm just going over a few of them here in, in, in the scriptures. And then we see the many miracles of Jesus. He raised the dead. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He turned water into wine. He calmed the storm. We were singing about that earlier. He calmed the storm with just a word. He walked on water, etc. Remember, he was a man just like us. He was, he is, and was the son of God. But remember, when I say all about these miracles of Jesus, remember, it's not because he was God. He emptied himself of all his God prerogative. It's because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit, the miracles, Jesus' ability to do miracles came from the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have that same opportunity as we live here today. Amen? That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is telling us. That's what the gifts of the Spirit is. They, for us, Jesus was showing us that we can live the same way. You remember Jesus said, these things, I will, these things you will do and even greater. Remember Jesus said that? Even more because there's way more of us. Jesus was one man. So as the spirit of God is being poured out on all of us, we can do just the same kind of miracles and even more because there's so many more of us. Amen? See, Jesus began his ministry with a miracle the turning of water into wine in John chapter 2, and he ended his ministry with a miracle, the ascension at Bethany in Acts chapter 1. So he started with a miracle and he ended with a miracle. You know, 
The Holy Spirit, he is here today to enrich the church body with the gift of miracles. And this also, once again, it affirms the gospel message. Amen. I remember hearing about a guy one time, uh, actually at a church in Baton Rouge. He was a young guy. He was a youth leader. And there was a guy, and this was bold, and the Lord honored it. There was a guy that was at the bowling alley, some witnessing, and this guy had a hurt leg. His leg was broken or something. And this young man began to witness to this guy, began to tell him about Jesus. He was lost. He began to tell him about the plan of salvation, and the guy wasn't receiving it. He said, okay, you know what? He said, how about this? He said, I'm going to pray that the Lord heals your leg and miraculously touches it right here. And if he doesn't, everything I just said isn't true. I'm like, man, that's bold. (laughs) But guess what? He did it. He prayed and right there on the spot, the guy got a miracle. The guy was healed. He got saved right there on the spot as well. Amen. So, yeah, praise God. You know, that's the, the miracle working of the Holy Spirit still on earth today. Ron Phillips said this. He said, people are more afraid of the supernatural than they are of their problems. They are more afraid of the supernatural than they are their sickness and their situations. The church will not fail for lack of power. It may fail for refusing to recognize or use the power God has given us. Come on, church. Let's not be those people. Let's not be the people that that fail to recognize God's miraculous power and to operate and to use it. The Holy Spirit has given us the ability through the gift of miracles to pray and to perform miracles. Amen? Let's not be one of those. Let's go out in the power of God. Let's believe God. Let's desire the the, the gift of, of, of miracles, the gift of healings, to see those things manifested in people's lives. Amen? And then the third thing that we're going to talk about tonight, third one, is prophecy. It's prophecy. The first thing I want to say about prophecy is that we must all desire and seek prophecy. We must desire and seek to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2 tells us this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So everything we're talking about, eagerly desire all these gifts we've been talking about, especially the gift of prophecy. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul also says, but earnestly desire the best gift. So one, we should desire the gift of prophecy, but he says desire the best gift. So, so going back to what I said at the beginning, what are the best gifts? The best gifts would be the ones that best fulfills God's purpose at the given time. The gift you consider to be the best will be relative to the situation and the need. See, that's what I'm talking about. Don't get locked into like, brother, I got the gift of healing. Well, that's great. But the Lord might want to give you a different gift tomorrow if you minister to somebody. Amen. He might want to give you a different gift next week if you come across someone that needs a miracle in their life or needs a word of wisdom or needs a word of knowledge. Amen. You know, we saw the gifts operating last night in the men's, uh, and Pastor Kelly's going to talk about this next week. You know, maybe I'm stealing your thunder. You could have used this illustration for next week. <laughs> but next, last night, somebody gave a word in tongues and somebody had an interpretation of tongues. Pastor Kelly's going to, that had, that, that was, the presence of God was heavy in the men's meeting. And it, the, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit happened just last night here on campus. And it was, it was awesome. So whatever time, uh, the, the, the best gift is what's going to be more relative and more effective. Yet, if we had to pick out any gift over the others, right here the Bible is saying apparently it should be prophecy. This is the only gift that we are specifically told in Scripture to earnestly desire and seek specifically is prophecy. So, 
In Acts 2, 15, let's go to the scriptural basis here. Uh, you know, we see prophecy, but where, did, where, did, where do we originally see, you know, prophecy and, and, and it coming about in our day and age? Acts 2, 15 and 18, on the day of Pentecost, where all this started with the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, when the disciples are first getting filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and he tells the crowd, these people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. See, right here, once again, a a, a prophet from years before prophesied about what was going to happen in these days, that the Spirit of God would be poured out. And, and, and Peter, as on the first, this is the first day the Holy Spirit fills anybody. The first baptism of the Holy Spirit service, when he, he quotes this scripture and prophecy is what he mentions twice. He brings this scripture back up. Prophecy in particular is emphasized in this passage. In these last days, God's people will have the beautiful spiritual manifestation of prophesying. So let me ask you, well, who should we be prophesying to? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 22 and 23 tells us, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but for unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now I'm going to start getting into what what. New Testament prophecy really looks like, because as I've been talking about it already, prophesying, you probably have a picture, you might have a thought of what prophecy is or how we should operate in what the Bible calls the gift of prophecy. See, prophesying in the New Testament differs from prophesying in the Old Testament. See, where in the Old Testament, God often used his prophets to speak to people who were complete unbelievers. For example, Elijah was used to deliver messages to men and who made, men and women who made no real profession of faith. Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet, was given messages that went to all the Gentile nations surrounding Israel. It wasn't just messages for the people of God. It was messages for lost people, for pagan people. It was messages for, for, for the coming judgment and whatnot. That's different from New Testament prophecy. New Testament prophesying is addressed to God's redeemed people, and the tone of it will always be appropriate to God's people. So what is the nature of prophecy? What does New Testament prophecy look like? Once again, we go straight to the scriptures a couple chapters later. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4, Paul clearly gives us what prophecy, New Testament prophecy, the gift of prophecy should look like. It says this, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's what New Testament prophecy is. Now, I'm going to break those three things down, but it's now let me say this. When we think of prophecies, we think of foretelling future events. That is true as well. I believe that is still the prophetic gift is still God showing you a future event that's coming down the pipe. But specifically here, two chapters after Paul tells you about the gift, of, tells us about the gift of prophecy. He tells us what it is. It's to strengthen others, to encourage them and to comfort them. Now, let's look at these three a little bit closer, though, just to even break it down even more. The first purpose is to strengthen others, to edify, to build them up. That's what the word is. It's to edify, to build. Just like the word, the Greek word is is used for like a building when you're building something up. 
It means to make people more effective as members of the body of Christ and whatever ministries they may have. If you give someone a word of prophecy, it should help them better serve the Lord. Amen? It should better help them serve the Lord. That, that, that word of prophecy, that prophetic word should strengthen them, should strengthen their calling. There's been many times Pastor Todd has prophesied over me, given me a word of, of prophecy, whether it be an affirmation or just telling me what he sensed God was doing in me and other men have as well and should help you better. When you leave that, it should strengthen you and should build you up. The second purpose, now this one is where we gotta get a little, Get a little deeper in, especially. The second purpose is to encourage others. This is to exhort, admonish, and to stir them up. Now listen, let's, let's, let's stop for the word encouragement for a minute. Most times when we hear encouragement, we think of like, hey buddy, you're doing a great job, man. Keep it up. And that is encouragement. That's right. We all need that, right? Amen? We all need, everybody likes to know that we're doing a good job or that we, we at least think we're doing a good job, right? But that word encouragement can also imply a severe warning as well. You know what? I want to encourage you and tell you, you know what, Greg? You're doing a good job, brother. I love you. You're doing a good job in your business and the ministry. I see you praying for people. I want to do that. I want to encourage you. But also encourages in, is that, you know what? I want to encourage you to stay away from sin. I want to encourage you to live a holy life. So even in New Testament prophecy, you're encouraging someone to stay on the right path. You're encouraging them to live holy. You're encouraging them to continue on with the, with the will of God. Last night we heard a man of God we watched from, from the Model Man Conference we went to, uh, Pastor Todd showed it again. And his whole thing was that, and one of his biggest things was encouraging you not to give up in the in-between. When you're living your life, he's saying, listen, suffering, trials, all this stuff would come. But he was encouraging us, don't quit. It's going to be hard, but don't quit. You're going to have crowns stored up for you in heaven. So encouraging, an encouraging word is, is also can mean a severe, uh, uh, like I say, warning, could be correction. It can be those things as well. But let me say this. It is never with condemnation. Like I said, New Testament prophecy is to God's redeemed people. If you have the gift of prophecy, don't go prophesy to a lost person. That's not, we make, it makes it clear, it's for the believers. And it should never bring condemnation. We see Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the what? The Spirit. This all goes back to the Holy Spirit. Those of us that are walking in the Holy Spirit, we need the gift of prophecy to operate in our church, in our midst. But it should never come at a, where you're beating somebody down, you're condemning them or any of that. Yes, correction, yes, uh, 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 maybe a warning, uh, encouragement for holy living, but never at the expense of condemnation. Amen? And then the third thing he tells us that the, the reason when we prophesy what we should be doing, the third thing, the purpose is comfort. It's comfort. Plainly comfort also means to be to cheer someone up. To cheer someone up. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I always, I use it all the time at funerals. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 5 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Listen, when we are troubled, we will be able to give the same comfort God has given us. I always use that scripture and I never thought about it in the sense of prophecy. But as I was studying today and realized that prophecy, part of prophecy is the comfort that ties right into 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's awesome. I love the word of God. So you know what? God is the source of comfort. But the Lord, he'll give you a prophetic word to relay that comfort to somebody. 
Amen? He'll give you a prophetic unction. He'll, he'll give you the gift of prophecy, the, the, the prophetic unction to encourage, to comfort, to help someone out, to strengthen someone. Amen? That's what New Testament prophecy looks like. And like I said, it can be the, the Lord can give you a prophetic, you know, uh, 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 you know, foretelling of the future or whatnot as well. But as we see it according to what the gift is, this is what Paul tells us to do. So in closing, I want to encourage you tonight to desire all these gifts. But as the Bible says, especially the gift of prophecy, because that'll be a very helpful gift to continue the engine running, so to speak, in the body of Christ. Amen. How many of y'all know you can get discouraged when you serve in the Lord? See, you can, it, when, when you try to operate in these gifts of the Spirit, you can lay hands on 50 people and nobody gets healed. It'd be nice for somebody to come along with a prophetic word and say, come on, brother, keep it up. Keep going. Amen. All these work together. We see that. He talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. They all work together. So desire all of these gifts. I want to encourage you. Desire prophecy. Desire to see miracles and healing. Come on. I, I, I allow the Lord to use you. In these way, in this way, why don't everybody stand up with me as we close? I, I couldn't help as I was preparing for this and, and, and praying. And as we're talking about healings and, and, and miracles tonight, you might be here and, 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 and you need a healing in your body. You need a touch. You, you might need a miracle. It might not be a physical kind of miracle, but maybe like I was praying earlier, I, some of those prayer requests. And once again, for time's sake, I apologize for not calling out all the names, but it might be, you know, restoration of a marriage. It might be some, something going on at work where you need a sincere breakthrough uh, in your life. You feel like, man, I, I, need, I need a miracle or you might need a healing tonight. As we close, we want to pray for you. We want you to come up here. We want to lay hands on you and pray for you and believe with your faith. Join with your faith. Because going back to that healing, it ain't just the, the most important thing is your faith. The Bible says that Jesus couldn't do many miracles because of their unbelief. His, the, the spirit of God was poured out upon him without measure. But in so to speak, his hands were tied because of the unbelief of the people he was trying to pray for. But on the other hand, we see the, the, the man, the paralytic that had his four friends that ripped tile off of the roof and they, they lowered his friend down. The faith of those men were great. If you notice, too, every time somebody got, I say every time, a lot of times people got healed. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, hey, thank me for healing you. What does he say? He says, your faith has made you well or your faith has healed you. You ever notice that in the Bible, in the Gospels? Jesus says that he gives them the credit, so to speak. It's your faith that made you well. So we want to stand with your faith tonight. Yes, we want to lay hands, but we want to stand in agreement with you. If you got faith and you're believing for healing, you're believing for a miracle tonight, as we close in a minute, we want you to come up. And also remember, the greatest miracle that can ever take place is being born again. Romans 1.16, again, it says, For the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. If you haven't received God's free gift of salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the first scripture I read was from Isaiah that says that he was, he carried our sorrows, our rebellion, our sins. He paid the price for our sins. And by his stripes, we are healed through the work of that cross. The greatest miracle ever is being born again tonight. If you've never been saved, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, why don't we all pray together? How do we get every, every head bowed, every eye closed? And let's pray together. And come on, let me ask you tonight as we close, if that's you, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I've, I've, I, I, I'm hearing everything you're saying about the gifts of the Spirit, but man, I haven't even, I haven't even started 
my walk with Jesus yet. I haven't accepted that free gift of salvation. I haven't accepted the miracle of being born again. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, that's me. I need to get right with God. I need to be saved. I need to accept Jesus. I need to repent of my sins. The Bible says, repent of our sins and turn to God and we will be saved. If that's you, just slip up your hand real quick and I want to pray for you. Nobody looking around. If that's you, I see your hand back there, man. Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? That needs to get right with the Lord tonight. Needs to say, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Anyone else? I see your hand. Praise God. Come on, let's pray. Come on, why don't we all pray together with my sister right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I thank you for providing the greatest miracle for me. Salvation. Lord, I ask that you would save me. I ask that you would cleanse me. Forgive me for every sin. I turn my heart to you. I turn my life to you. I surrender it all. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill me with your power and your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, if that's you, if you raise your hand, I would love to meet you before you leave. We have some information to give to want to give to you. For everybody else, as, as we've been speaking on this tonight, if you've been believing for a healing, you've been believing for a miracle in your life, I want to encourage you to come on up. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. And if you need prayer for anything else as well, we'll be here. We love y'all. God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening. We'll be up here to pray.